I'm Effie Parks. Welcome to Once Upon a Jane, the podcast. This is a place I created for us to connect and share the stories of our not-so-typical lives. Raising kids who are born with rare genetic syndromes and other types of disabilities can feel pretty isolating. What I know for sure is that when we can hear the triumphs and challenges from others who get it, we can find a lot more laughter, a lot more hope, and feel a lot less alone. I believe there are some magical healing powers that can happen for all of us through sharing our stories, and I'll take all the help I can get. Once Upon a Gene is proud to be part of Bloodstream Media. Living in a family affected by rare and chronic illness can be isolating, and sometimes the best medicine is connecting to the voices of people who share your experience. This is why Bloodstream Media produces podcasts, blogs, and other forms of content for patients, families, and clinicians impacted by rare and chronic diseases. Visit bloodstreammedia.com to learn more. Hi there, and welcome to the show. Once a month, I release this extra special episode in a series I call A Rare Collection. It features a few people from the rare disease community, each telling a true story with the same theme. I'm super excited to present the 21st episode in this storytelling series. I've always been moved by storytelling, and I believe there's so much power in them for both the listener and the storyteller. I'm the luckiest podcaster ever in that this is what I get to do for fun, passion, and purpose. The theme for today's episode is To the Moon and Back, and the storytellers have the utmost freedom to be creative and to take the theme wherever their heart desires. Here's a story from Nicole Wright, Mama to McCall, who has Dravet syndrome. First, a letter to McCall. Oh, the places you will go, to the moon and back, perhaps, and to the hospital a thousand times. From the time you were in my womb, you were taken to the edges of the earth. At 26 weeks pregnant, I set off with you in my belly and your Grammy and Pop-Pop at my side to explore the Holy Land. We took pictures knowing this was just the first of many adventures where you'd be in the presence of God's greatness. I looked forward to your experience of culture and diversity, to introducing you to God's people in multiple languages, to watching you grow and flourish on every path He had laid out for you. We didn't know that you'd have your first of many seizures at four months old. We didn't know that before your first birthday, you'd be diagnosed with a severe degenerative form of epilepsy without a cure, Gervais syndrome. Your daddy and I had no idea that this disease would take a little bit of you at a time and make every day a battle as long as you live. Your seizure triggers grew. Warm external temperatures from the bath and from being outside on warm days. Elevated internal body temperatures from illness or running and playing. Being startled, surprised, or excited. Overexertion, overtired, overstimulation. All the little things that a one to four year old experiences daily, and especially on occasions like your birthday or Christmas. Trips, celebrations, extended family time, play dates, learning experiences, and simply playing outside all slowed and often halted. Dravet syndrome stole the life we envisioned for you. Hospitalizations, needles, wires, IVs, tests, and more therapies than we can count took the place of birthday parties, vacations, swim lessons, dance classes, friendships, and carefree memories we had dreamed of since you were conceived. We had planned to love you to the moon and back, but sweet girl, you've been to hell and back, and you don't even know it. To you, this is just what life is. Yet, you have so much joy 
love and affection for the people around you and the things that make you happy in this world. Whether it's to the darkest corners or to the moon, I will be with you for the entire ride, and Mama will always be on your side. The walls felt like they were closing in on me at McCall's four-month well check as her pediatrician told me that the rhythmic moving of her arm that we had both just witnessed was a seizure, and an ambulance was on its way to get us. It took until she was 11 months old and many seizures later to receive genetic testing results stating that she had an SCN1A gene mutation. Since her diagnosis, her symptoms, seizures, and delays have progressed to unthinkable levels. She has or has had frequent and prolonged seizures, abnormal EEGs, behavioral and developmental delays, movement and balance issues, orthopedic issues, delayed language and speech issues, sleep difficulties, chronic infections, sensory integration disorder, difficulty regulating her body temperature. Our lives have been flipped upside down many times throughout this journey. In 2020, she was emergency transported to the hospital with uncontrolled seizures that didn't stop until she was intubated and put into a medically induced coma. She spent many days in the pediatric intensive care unit before they could extubate her without subsequent seizures. Towards the end of this hospital stay, a swallow test revealed that she could no longer swallow thin liquids without silently aspirating. The most alarming part of this being that it was silent. Days after we left the hospital, McCall slowly started to lift her head and walk again and could eventually get around pretty well within two weeks. It took two years before she was able to swallow thin liquids again, a feat that the clinician could not explain, but I could. We served the healer and he was getting us ready for what is to come. Thankfully, McCall has not had to be intubated again. She has had many hospitalizations that took her weeks to gain the ability to walk again and mostly recover. She's been admitted to the hospital for seizures at least once a month in the past six months. On top of her 12 medications and supplements, she is also on a strict or classic ketogenic diet. This alone has made major demands on our life. From time to prepare meals and snacks, to always having to have exactly what she needs, even in an emergency. Not to mention the heartbreak of not letting her eat when or what she wants to. We grieved McCall's initial diagnosis, and we try to allow ourselves room to grieve the life we had envisioned along the way. She can't enjoy simple things like school and gatherings, nor can her little sister because of the threat it poses to McCall. A simple cold or getting too excited can cause a life-threatening seizure for her, ones where her entire body stiffens and pulses, her face turns blue, and she sometimes bites her tongue or stops breathing. The recovery can be worse after multiple seizures. Though she has eventually talked and walked again each time, we dread a day when she may not. We will love and celebrate her no matter what, but we can see pieces of her fade without return. We will never stop fighting to get those pieces back. Through therapy, care, and eventual life-changing treatments, we have hope that McCall's quality of life can improve one day. And I mean drastically. Help is on the way. Here's a story from Kevin Alexander, an adult living with PKU. As an adult with phenylketonuria, or PKU, I am keenly aware that I am here because of the love, care, and compassion of others. 
PKU was discovered in the 1930s. The treatment developed in the 1950s, and newborn screening for it began in the 1960s, 60 years ago this year. Of course, I am thankful for the medical professionals, the geneticists, the dietitians, the researchers, and all of those who have dedicated their careers to improving our lives. But today, I want to take a moment and express my profound gratitude to another group of people. People across the rare disease community, not just those in the PKU or metabolic disorder communities, but to all of those who are driven by indescribable love. Parents. There is something so special about a parent of a child with a rare disease. Advocate, bulldog, cheerleader, nurturer. I've been incredibly fortunate to have been on an advocacy journey since 2012. I'm a filmmaker and in late 2011, I produced a short documentary called My PKU Life. I shared my experience of living with a rare disease. And the next year, I started traveling across the world, producing videos about PKU and speaking at events. Until that time, I was completely cut off from the PKU, newborn screening, and rare disease communities. I was isolated. I knew no one like me, no one who understood the challenges I faced daily, except for my parents, my brother and his family, and my wife. Other than that, I was alone. But when I engaged with the community and began traveling, a new world opened up to me. Life was different before, and I knew it would never be the same after. It's been incredible to meet so many parents in our community. It was humbling to hear how they discovered my film shortly after receiving their child's diagnosis, and that it gave them hope. I still get messages like that all these years later. And one of the best parts of it all has been seeing the love that parents have for their children with a rare disease. They sacrifice every day. Some have left careers behind. Others have created amazing organizations. They've held fundraisers and raised incredible amounts of money for research. They have moved things forward and enabled progress in the PKU community with new treatments and quality of life improvements. Yes, researchers and industry partners have made that happen, but it's our parents, our bulldogs, who continually remind them why it needs to happen. And now, there is an entire generation of adults with PKU who are thriving in life. Many of them are incredible advocates now. And that's because we learned well from our parents. We still face many challenges in the PKU community, such as access to our prescribed medications. But we all, parents and adults with PKU, are fighting hard for change. I'm also keenly aware, as a member of the wider rare disease community, how fortunate the PKU community is that many parents affected by rare diseases face a diagnostic journey, while most of us are diagnosed at birth because of newborn screening, and that 95% of all rare diseases have no treatments, while treatments for PKU have been around for about 70 years. I hope with all my heart 
that within my lifetime, progress is made with other rare diseases. Progress like what we've seen in the PKU community. And the thing is, I know that it will happen because I know the fierceness within the rare disease parent. So on behalf of all of us, the children, teens, and adults living with a rare disease, the ones you have moved heaven and earth to care for, thank you. We literally wouldn't be here without you. We may have different abilities, different treatments, different lifestyles, but we are alive. And life is a beautiful gift that you have given to us and continue to give. Our hearts are full because of the love that you have poured on each of us. Here's a story from Rhonda Thorrington, Mama Taraya, with mixed connective tissue disorder. When I think of the expression, to the moon and back, I am reminded of Guess How Much I Love You, the classic children's book where Big Nut Brown Hair, the parent, and Little Nut Brown Hair, the child, go back and forth about who can outlove the other. It ends with Little Nut Brown Hair saying to Big Nut Brown Hair, I love you to the moon. Soon after, he drifts off to sleep, and Big Nut Brown Hair whispers to him, I love you to the moon and back. I never fully comprehended my capacity to love until I had children of my own. Even before birth, I was protective of them and felt a deepening connection with each roll of movement and each tiny hiccup that I felt from inside me. That love only expanded after birth. When one of my three children, my middle child and eldest daughter was four years old, she got sick really sick. It started with bruising, then swollen, painful joints, muscle weakness, severe headaches, the list goes on. Eventually, she was diagnosed with mixed connective tissue disease, a rare autoimmune disorder that has the characteristics of several autoimmune diseases. And with that devastating news, I found my capacity to love her deepened still. There was nothing that I wouldn't do for her. Travel hundreds of miles for experimental medical treatments? Done. Spend thousands of dollars on medications? Yeah. Step off of my professional career track to care for her? Not even giving it a second thought. I'm her mom. That's just what I do. What I didn't expect was to encounter others along our journey that also cared for her as deeply as I did. Rhea loves to dance, and she has taken dance classes since she could walk. There was a time, however, when the disease impacted her mobility. Her immune system aggressively attacked her muscles and her joints, which made it difficult to walk, let alone to dance her routines. Because of this, she required high doses of steroids to prevent long-term damage, but as anyone that has ever taken steroids will tell you, they have their own dreaded side effects. In the span of three months, my little girl gained 25 pounds. She had greater mobility, but she was unrecognizable, a stranger in her own skin. 
Costumes that were ordered in the fall didn't fit by the time they arrived for the spring recital, and she had missed months of dance classes because she was too sick to go. I thought, this is it. Dance for her is done. This disease has robbed my little girl of one thing that she loves, and that's dance. But I couldn't have been more wrong. The owner of the dance school reached out to me and offered to give Raya individual lessons on the days she felt well enough to attend. I only had to text her earlier in the day to let her know, and she would meet us at the studio to work with Raya before the other students arrived. She also prorated the tuition so that we weren't paying for classes when Raya was too sick to go. And the costumes? It wasn't possible to get costumes in a bigger size in time for the recital. That's when I found out that the grandmom of one of the older dancers was a seamstress, and she volunteered to remake all of Raya's costumes. All of this required time and attention, and they gave of themselves without question. They were patient and gentle and kind to a little girl who was incredibly self-conscious and didn't even recognize herself in the mirror. I didn't have the words for all that they did. All this so that my little girl could do the thing that she loved and be just like everyone else. To the moon and back. Here's a story from Rachel Heilman and her son Charlie, mama and big brother to Rory Bell, who had NARS 1. It is often said that grief is because you love someone so much it hurts when they leave. I don't think I ever understood the capacity to physically hurt from love until I had children. There's so much joy, dreams, excitement, and love packed into the birth of your child. The simplicity of a children's book is enough to bring a mama to tears when your babies enter this world. And now, in this moment, it's capable of explaining the depths of love to an eight-year-old. When Maury was born, I knew she was different, exceptional, that her life would change our lives forever. I didn't know why or how deep that transformation would be. When she died from NARS-1 disease in 2021, the gaping wound left by her worldly exit was indescribable. Charlie had to understand death at six. I had to understand it at 38. And we are both still learning how to live and love with the same fearlessness as we had before Rory died. To not hesitate to feel the pain, to grieve openly, and to fill the space between us and the moon with the competition of our love, to be present, to see, to feel, and to continue to love Rory there. I knew from the moment that I held these tiny gifts in my arms, I had two extraordinary children. I didn't know that one would change the world with her death, and the other would do it through his life. On February 25th, we will be reminded of the vastness and the depth of space left by Rory's short life. I think often about the words of another children's book that I used to read to her. In the days after her death, I found peace in the ability to see her in the words of those pages. On the night she was born, the night wind whispered, life will never be the same. There had never been anyone like her, ever, in the world. So whenever you doubt just how special you are or wonder who loves you, how much and how far, Feel the warm sun against your face, the rhythm of jazz with all its grace. 
the smooth pace of your feet and the sound of the waves crashing as they meet. That's Rory's love burning high in the sky. These are the things to remember her by. The world has known Rory Bell, my friends. She will. She will not ever end. Heaven blew every trumpet and played every horn on the wonderful, marvelous night she was born. It's these thoughts that continue to keep me grounded in my existence. The love and memories between Charlie and I continue to flood the emptiness left by the grief of Rory's death. And for all these precious moments, I am grateful, so grateful, to the moon and back. Hey, Charlie, do you want to tell a story with me? About Rory? Yes. What's the theme? The theme is to the moon and back. To the moon and back is a metaphor that's hard to make a story about. Let me help you. I used to read Guess How Much I Love You to you when you were a baby. That's very far, thought little nut brown hair. He was almost too sleepy to think anymore. Then he looked beyond the thorn bushes, out into the big dark night. Nothing could be farther than the sky. But looking right up to the moon, he said and closed his eyes. Oh, that's far, said big nut brown hair. That's very, very far. Big nut brown hair settled little nut brown hair into his bed of leaves. He leaned over and kissed him goodnight. Then he lay down close by and whispered with a smile, I love you, right up to the moon and back. What do you think this story is about? It's a love competition. You're right, it is. Uh, that's the best kind of competition. I agree. I will always try to outdo my love for you and Rory. Me too. I hope you've been enjoying this podcast. If you like what you hear, please share this show with your people and please make sure to rate and review it on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also head over to Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter to connect with me and stay updated on the show. If you're interested in sharing your story or if you have anything you would like to contribute, please submit it to my website at effieparks.com. Thank you so much for listening to the show and for supporting me along the way. I appreciate y'all so much. I don't know what kind of day you're having, but if you need a little pick-me-up, Ford's got you.